Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello. This week, I'm talking to John Thomas, an award-winning porn actor with the Tim Tales studio. However, as with all people in the porn industry, he's a people first and a porn star second, so this week's episode isn't going to be focused around his work. Instead, we've decided to do something a little bit different, and John is going to be telling us a story of death and family and the ties that bind. It's not as dark, well, it is actually quite dark, but there are lighter moments and it's quite uplifting in a way, and there's even a little bit of lesbian flirting if you must. It was a lovely chat to be part of, and I'm really pleased to be bringing it to you. But please consider this a content warning about death, terminal illness, and euthanasia. Don't listen unless you're okay with those things. Or you're okay with not being okay about those things. You're listening to Probably True. Please be aware that this podcast may contain strong language and adult themes. It would be boring without them. I'm on the first week of my uni holidays. I've gone back home to Bath, which is where my family home is that we've lived in for 21 years. But we have to move out at the end of that week because my mum died a few months before quite suddenly and the house didn't belong to us. It belonged to the Church of England and so we had to go. Um, so me and my sister and my brother are packing this house up. We are throwing things away. We're trying to find important documents. Don't even know what is important, what's valuable, what is going to mean something in 10 years' time, what won't. And my brother's also trying to finish his dissertation with the same deadline that we have to move out. In the midst of all this, we have our cat, Lily, who is my brother's cat, and she is quite old. Uh, she was a birthday present to my brother when he was maybe 10 years old. And she was meant to be a lizard, but my mum didn't want my brother to have a lizard. So even though my grandmother had already bought the tank, she then bought my brother this kitten. So Lily lived with us for a long time. She loved eating anything she could and became incredibly fat at various points. Bit of a yo-yo dieter, you could say. My cousins used to call her the triangle cat, because when she sat down, she just made a triangle. But she's gorgeous. She's now really old. She must be like, I don't know... Maybe she's 14 years old now, which is like relatively old for a cat. She is, is hungry all the time, like nothing changes, but is struggling to eat. And so we're a bit like, who's going to want a mangy, old, probably relatively near-death cat? I'm a student in London. I can't take her. My brother is about to go to France and on to Asia, so he can't really take her. And my sister is moving to Bristol and can't take her. And then maybe as part of this, like... Who maybe we should like check if she's okay? Maybe I don't know how, how it came about, but we, she went to the vet and the vet says that she had arthritis, calcified gums, she got muscle wastage, possibly like an irritable bowel syndrome, uh, and maybe two or three other ailments. And so the overall prognosis is like this cat isn't terribly good, and probably uh, it, the nicest thing to do would be to put them down. Two days before we were due to be out of the house, uh, me, my brother, and sister all took Lily to the vets to get her put down. 
Another cat we'd had previously had been put down when I was 18, and I hadn't been there, but I'd been told how beautiful it was, how my brother had held her in his arms while she'd been administered the fatal injection, and she'd reached forward and licked his arm. That was her, her last moment. So in my head, this was going to be a, a tragic but sad and somewhat beautiful last moment for me, my sister and brother, to have with this cat, who also sort of feels like this last living embodiment of our mum, who died a couple of months before. We just had another cat, which died in front of me, which was my first experience of death. And this cat was called Ofsted. Because <laughs> my mum wanted a trophy cat after she, she was a head teacher and they did a really good Ofsted. So she got Ofsted and he was beautiful, but like his heart and lungs were fused together. So he didn't have much hope. <laughs> so we had some kind of heart attack in front of me and it was the first time I've seen anything die that isn't like an ant or something. Uh, and it's, I don't know, it was like it was quite shocking and sad and not beautiful. My mum was there at the time too, and she was like, oh, he's pissed himself. Because <laughs> he literally like, had to ask and then yeah, emptied his bladder, which you know, is what happens when, when we die. Me and my brother and sister get Lily, or like attempt to get Lily ready to go to the vet. My sister is very thoughtful, having not really liked Lily her entire life, decides that Lily deserves a really nice last meal, and so either gives her like some tuna steak or some chicken breast, like something very extravagant and like, not really suitable for a cat, and obviously Lily is delighted. So she had that. We then find, or try and find, the box that you put cats in before going to the vet, only to find that the door is missing. So we have basically have like a, a box that has one side missing, which isn't great, because obviously the cat doesn't stay in it. So the only solution is to then for me to hold the box to my chest, um, to seal it shut with my body. The vet is like a two-minute walk from where we where this house is in Bath. So it's fine, we all walk together. I had this cat like scratching at my chest because she doesn't want to be in the box and she knows that being in the box means she's going to the vet. And so I'm there carrying this box and the cat doesn't want to be there. And it feels like part of the chaos that the three of us are in right now. Uh, we get to the vet. Obviously, I had to maintain like holding the box to my chest while we're in the waiting room with all the other animals because it's not I can just let her run freely around the space. Uh, we go into the room where she's going to be put down. And there is, you know, a vet who is quite young. I could maybe guess that she's part of the LGBT community. Uh, maybe not. But, you know, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not really here for that right now. But it's just an observation that it's not the same old vet that I've been used to in the past. And she's doing that thing which people do when things, like, they know that sad things are happening, but they're routine for them. And so they're doing that kind of, oh, yeah, really soft voice. This must be hard. Can I get you some water? It's like, yeah, like, it's fine. Like, just do your job. So Lily doesn't want to be there, doesn't want to be on the metal table. And I think the vet does say, like, oh, when was the last time she ate? And my sister really proudly says, like, the first nice thing she's ever done for this cat, I just gave her her last meal. It was this wonderful, wonderful thing. And the vet's like, ah, oh, okay, like, they're not really meant to eat, like, within an hour of, of being put down because it makes the drugs um, not work as well. Uh, and she might be sick. But, you know, it might, it might be okay. It might be okay. Don't worry. It's all going to be fine. It's going to be fine. So Lily is maybe given, like, an oral drug, first of all which she doesn't want to have. Uh, and so you can imagine her like wriggling and trying to get away. And my brother's maybe holding her because it's his cat and there's some sort of connection there. And then probably Lily like vomits up all of this um, meat that literally just looks like slightly chewed version of whatever it was in the first place. <laughs> and this is the, the start of her like traumatic journey towards the grave. <laughs> So that happens, and then we have to like because we have to like re-administer the oral drug again, and like leave it a little bit. And so there's lots of kind of awkward conversation where we have to let the wait for the drugs to work. And like Lily's starting to go a bit dopey, 
bit like in like a James Bond film or something where like the hero has been given some drugs and they know they've got to fight the urge to like fall asleep because they will be killed. Like this same urge is in Lily. This really old dying cat is like now like like I know what's going to happen to me. I have to fight, get off this table, escape this room, and all these people. And I'm starting to feel a little bit sad at this point. But we reach a point where the vet feels happy that we can now shave the front of her leg so that she could administer, like, the death blow into her vein. And my brother's, like, going to hold her and, like, enable this to happen. The point of injecting into a vein in the leg is, like, the least painful way to put an animal down. Lily is very old, her skin is very thin, and consequently her veins are not in good condition. And so the vet is unsuccessful with this injection, and it ruptures the vein. And I don't think that can be very pleasant. So then the vet's like, oh, okay, that didn't work. I'm, oh, okay, that didn't work. I'm really sorry. Um, yeah. um, so she decides to try the other leg, but we should maybe give Lily a minute just to like, recover a bit. It's like, okay. Um, Seems like it's a slightly pointless at this point. Yeah. We've run out of, like, polite conversation by this point. Like, there's only so much sort of, like, non-committal, polite conversation you can have. And so now, like, my sister's talking a lot more about her upcoming walking holiday in Greece, at which point it becomes clear that the vet is from Catalonia, so my sister is going in Greece, and has loads of recommendations. And, like, uh, my sister and the vet are getting on really well, and it turns out they both enjoy, like, rock climbing and other outdoorsy pursuits and... Like, I'm not a lesbian, but I can't tell, like, how much coded conversation they're having and whether, like, they're about to get together or not. But suddenly this feels much more interesting than the cat on the table that's, like, slowly being drugged and their eyes are, like, flickering and crossing over. So the vet tries the other leg, the other front leg, shaves it. My brother holds her, holds the paw. The needle goes in, ruptures the vein again. Doesn't work. So we had to leave her a little bit longer. Maybe at this point we've learned more about the vet's recent kayaking expedition where they have to like feed their kayaking coach by throwing food into their mouth from the side. I can't remember the order, but like I learned a lot about their life um, in, in this appointment. And I don't know whether there's someone waiting like, to come in after us because we were there for a long time. Like, at one point they brought us chocolates, um, which was nice, but like not what you expect, like midway through your pet being killed. Maybe that's a... Um... <laughs> Maybe there's some kind of like subtle emergency button, like bring in the chocolate. <laughs> yeah, you'd hope so. So then the vet tries like the the first leg again, but just ruptures it again. Like Lily's clearly in distress. I'm crying at this point because I feel like my my brother has now also talked about the fact he's going to Hong Kong soon and how he wants to get a dog. And it turns out the vet is a dog person, not a cat person, which is the kind of info you want to know when the vet's putting your cat down. And the vet tells us about this really funny-looking dog, maybe a Chinese-crested dog. And so then my brother and the vet are, like, on the laptop, like, looking at funny pictures of dogs. <laughs> and I'm there, like, with Lily. Like, I'm, like, stroking her. My head's on her side or whatever. And I'm and I'm very sad. And um, there's this sort of weird irony that this cat that is so ill clearly really wants to live. <laughs> One of the other things was that, like, when my mum was really ill in hospital, like, she'd said that if she was a cat, she'd just be put down. And why couldn't she just be put down by the doctors in the hospital? And so it's this kind of really odd experience of, like, mums and cats and how medical technology is applied to animals and humans and whatever the ethics are in that. But yeah, so there's some funny dogs on the computer. The cat's still alive, but in significant pain and, like, drugged-out state. 
the vet then like timidly suggests that maybe she could try a back leg, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I and I kind of I think I probably lead the suggestion that maybe like the leg option isn't working at this point. It clearly is not the least painful way to put an animal down. It is like deeply traumatic, really horrible. The cat's had stuff in her mouth, three different injections in her legs, which has burst veins, uh, and is still alive. And the vet's suggesting we try a third leg. There's another option, which is just to inject straight into the heart, which is, I believe, painful, but pretty instant, as opposed to a nice, gentle, soothing, like, sense of sleep rushing through your body, or whatever euthanasia feels like. So at this point, we do, I say, we say, like, just inject her in the heart. And the vet's like, oh, it's quite traumatic, so I understand if you want to leave the room. And in my head, I'm trying to picture what is more traumatic than what we've just sat through. Like, what is this, like, awful needle that they're about to put into my cat's heart? Like, is it something from the Victorian times? Like, Javelin. Yeah. I mean, or, is it not, or, or are you talking about this injection in a totally euphemistic way, and actually it's just, like, coshed on the back of the head? <laughs> it's all right, you can laugh. You have to laugh. So, like, I think my brother maybe holds her while the vet injects Lily in the heart, and that kills her quite quickly and seems much more peaceful than anything else that's just happened. And so the cat is, Lily's now dead, which is very sad, and she's on the little metal table. We've got our glasses of water and our Cadbury's roses, chocolates, whatever we were given. And then we have to talk about what we're going to do with her body. <laughs> and initially, we thought we'd bury her in the garden because that's what we'd done with the previous cat. But then we were like, we're moving out. So it's a weird thing to leave a freshly buried cat corpse in your garden. So then there's different options around cremation to be discussed, which they do in this, like, <laughs> they kind of pussyfoot around in this really sweet way to try and avoid obviously hurting people's feelings. But basically, the, the cheapest option is, like, kind of... It's not called mass incineration, but that's basically what it is. Like, all the animals go on a conveyor belt into the fire, and you obviously don't get any ashes back. Uh, you can request to have your animal um, incinerated uh, separately and have the ashes returned to you. And there's a number of, like, urn options uh, available, uh, including, like, a little model cat you can get. But we go with mass incineration, like... It's fine. And so we leave the vet and we leave Lily there and we go home and we keep packing up the house and we get rid of everything else and move on. It really is like we have lost everything. Lost mum and lost the house and lost the cat and, and we all go our separate ways. And I go to London and my sister to Bristol, my brother to Hong Kong. It was a very final way of saying goodbye and moving on. And the vet did get my sister's number but didn't call her. That was going to be my first question. Yeah. I was like, oh, after all that. And after all that, after all that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. So what did you take away from this? I mean, your sister got, got a girl's a, number. Yeah. Your brother, like, got... Some dog recommendations. Yeah, dog <laughs> recommendations. What was the thing that you really took away from this experience? Uh, some great anecdotes. Um, yeah. I think... Like death is really mundane, but it's like really profound. And um, like my brother and sister and I had been quite lucky and we were able to sit with my mum as she died, um, which not everyone gets the chance to do. And we got to sit with our cat while it died. (laughs) And it's like they're totally different experiences. And, you know, it's death is a shared experience that we'll all have at some point. And it might be lovely or it might be really nasty. Weirdly, it made me question, like, having, like, been, like, euthanasia is maybe a good idea. Like, watching my cat get put down, I was like, maybe it's a bad idea. I don't know. I've taken away, like, a moral quandary. <laughs> euthanasia might be more of a good idea if you can be, if the person doing it can be relied on to get it right first. Yeah. I'm actually, as the point of euthanasia is, like, you say you want it, rather than, like, a group of other people deciding you need it. Mm. I think that's, the, that, that's actually the ethical dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'm pretty sure Lily did not want to die, however, like, humane it was to put her down. Mm. Oh yeah, that's yeah. I had I had I had the power to kill someone, something. That's quite weird. That's quite a horrible feeling, actually. It makes me definitely like not want to pet again. What feeling is it to have that kind of power over? Oh, that's really horrible. I think particularly because like my mum died of cancer, and it was really advanced um, by the time she was diagnosed with it. So it was like six months from diagnosis to death, which and the death was a lot sooner than we expected. But she was in really terrible pain and couldn't really eat and. It's it's really hard to say. I think if she'd had the option, she probably would have elected to die sooner than she did to minimise some of that suffering. So in a way, it's like mum wanted something she couldn't have and then we're giving it to this cat who is in a similar situation in terms of being like all this pain and can't eat and it's like the the, the most humane option is to kill them. But then it's like it's not the most humane option if you're a human. And the cat clearly didn't want it, despite it being... Well, maybe she enjoyed it in the end, but it didn't... (laughs) I I mean, like, yeah, that's the thing. They can't tell you how they feel. But, like, she wasn't a peaceful uh, (laughs) victim. (laughs) How would you say it's changed your perception or your, your kind of perspective on your life? I mean, I think it's maybe enhanced a perspective that I had already or, or was developing. That my my life has changed quite dramatically in the space of a year. So about a year ago, I was living in Bath with my mum in the house we had to move out of and, and with Lily. Uh, and I was working full-time in a job that involved working with a lot of young people and being a bit of a role model. And I really felt like I wasn't living a life that I wanted. I wasn't very happy. Like, I had, there were lots of really nice 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 things nice things but I didn't want nice I wanted adventure and I wanted to to have a sense of excitement and I don't know what just you know live live your best life kind of thing so I moved back to London to do my master's uh, which in hindsight is really like it's been a bit weird doing a master's in London whilst your mum is dying in Bath that's quite tough but I'd also made the decision that, like, um, I would do porn to, like, help pay my way through my master's. And I told mum about porn just before she dies. Like, she weirdly worked it out herself from Instagram. I think she went on Tim Kruger's Instagram account worked out that way. So, you know, it's a nice connection. 
but like we had a good relationship so that was the right thing to do i think how how did she feel about she had a very unconditional love and i guess that like, i talked to her about like my reasons for doing it and like not being taken advantage of i guess i grew up with a lot of shame around like my body first of all regardless of sexuality it's idea that like bodies are sh- inherently shameful which i think is really problematic and i think once once i was able to be like okay so it's okay to be gay like i get it like you can draw a line and be like Sex is about procreation and draw your line there. But once you start to say that like a level of deviancy is okay, I think it's quite problematic drawing a line about saying like this is okay, but this isn't. Um, so long as like consent is involved. Um, like consent is obviously very important. Well, maybe not obviously, consent is very important. So anyhow, I was talking to her all about that. But like this is maybe like two days before she died or day before she died, and her ability to talk was limited. But yeah, and so I guess, like, I wrestled a little bit with whether we should have talked about it or not. I think in that moment, you sort of, you want to let your parents see into your future as much as possible because um, they won't be there down the line. And, like, for me, like, I'm 31, I think, and my sister and brother are younger than me, so there's, like, hopefully a lot of future ahead of all of us. So I think it was the right thing to do. I still don't know how successful porn will be, but it's been surprisingly successful so far. So that it's also like, it might not be the job that your parent is the most proud of, but at the same time, I think, I knew I would never be disowned for doing it. Um, yeah. Which is good. I don't know if that answered the question. <laughs> no, certainly. I mean, it was a very nosy question. Oh, that's lovely. And I had... Uh, all my questions were were kind of uh, stupid ones around porn, and now I don't want to ask. You can ask stupid really ones beautiful. about porn. Like I think, so I think what's really important for me is that like it's really easy for us to um, put sex in a box and be like, sex is something that is is my naughty secret or is dirty, and therefore like sex workers and, and porn porn people exist solely in this like two dimensional capacity to to provide. To, to be sex, to be sexy. And I guess um, I am three-dimensional and, like, I am actually quite good at teaching and quite good at teaching children. Um, I don't think it's likely to happen very much in the future, but it doesn't mean I'm not good at it. I have, like, three-dimensional emotional uh, capacities um, and I can talk about death and silly things about porn in the same moment. <laughs> Without wanting to sound like some kind of job interview, where do you kind of see it going? Where do you where do you see yourself in five years? Five, five oh, years, just any number. Well, yeah, any yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Um, Considering how much of an upheaval, upheaval the last year has been. <laughs> I'm very aware that like I slightly flavour of the month because I'm new and I have to like ride that wave and then try and like find some duration in it. In five years' time, I'd like to still be making porn. I don't intend to disappear quickly. I mean, I'd love to make a career where I'm walk, working into my. 40s or beyond but i feel that's quite speculative based on like a lot of things i'm very aware that like depends people want to see you and whether what you are looking like an offering is what people want i guess but yeah i I like to keep making porn i'd like to travel more with work i'd like to do all the extra stuff that comes with it so i do a lot of go-go dancing which i really enjoy so my background's in theater and i used to do like kind of performance artsy stuff i was like a go-go dancing reindeer for david hoyle's christmas show um, of course being a bit more being a bit creative with it as well and i guess i'd be interested in like making porn as a director filmmaker in the future 
exploring what porn is as an art form, which I guess sounds really wanky, but also like being an advocate and an activist for change. I feel like there's a lot that I need to learn in order to be able to to do that successfully. It's that weird thing that like, I'm not I'm not famous, but like in some in some circumstances, like some people do know who I am, and I've you know recently been slightly more open about grief uh, on Instagram, and I get really lovely messages from people I've never met about how they've lost their parents or the experiences they're going through or how that I don't know it helps them hearing it from someone else and. It's weird, like, I was so fed up of being a role model a year ago. <laughs> and then, actually, it's like, it's just a different... If you can try and make the world better, then I don't know why you wouldn't. <laughs> but now you're a role model on your terms. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very much more in control of my myself and my persona than I, I was as a, an employee. I know that lots of people love porn. Lots of people love watching porn. Maybe they, like don't like to admit it but they do like every not everyone a lot of people consume it but a lot of people will have preconceptions and prejudices about what it means to be on the inside of the industry and whilst i'm sure there are like bad practices going on which i think is true of all industries i am so happy and like i I work for tim tales and they're a really amazing company i have a job that i really love and it offers me opportunities that other work hasn't and I don't think everyone should rush in and start doing porn without really thinking about if it's something they can live with or not. But like, I hope in the future it can be a career choice that's as easy to make as like wanting to be a teacher or a vet. Hmm. Oh, that's lovely. Um, and if anyone wants to follow you or get in touch on socials or anything, what's the best way to do that? So on Twitter, I'm at John Thomas XXX. John Thomas, kiss, kiss, kiss. John Thomas, triple X. On Instagram, I am John East 87 That's John East 87 Now, Twitter is very explicitly porn work. Instagram is, like, my life. So there's more personality there, I guess. And then I also have a Just for Fans, which is where you can watch my videos, which is, like, my sexual adventures. And obviously, if you subscribe to me on there, then you're, like, supporting me which means I can make more porn and like live a wonderful life and make your life better too. Wonderful. So my Just for Fans is also John Thomas XXX. John Thomas, kiss, kiss, kiss. I mean, like the scene that everyone really is crazy for is with Eduardo. Um, which is, um, that's like the scene that's very popular just because he has a really big dick, basically. <laughs> um, and I'm really good at taking it. Um, so weirdly, like, so in my in my life as John East, I've recently done a lot of work with visually impaired and blind performers, um, including like researching like how to like, integrate audio description into live performance, um, and like not in the context of that work, but definitely think about like what is accessible porn, what does accessible porn look like mm. or sound like? Squelchy mostly, mostly squelchy, maybe a little, little bit of you know narrative ASMR, like lots of <sighs> yeah. But yeah, so maybe that's in my future as well. Accessible porn. That was probably true. The repeatedly award-winning storytelling series created by me, Scott Flashheart, to remind all of my queer brothers and sisters that we are none of us alone. You can find transcripts of every episode, links and other things at probablytruepodcast.com. There's additional content and other lovely stuff available to subscribers at patreon.com forward slash probablytrue. And if you want to get in touch, just search Probably True Podcast on the socials.
would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.